All right, welcome. If you haven't guessed by now, we, uh, we want to take a, a pop tonight at addressing this um, thing that affects all of us in uh, one way or another, and it's the issue of fear and anxiety. Um, the movie clip was interesting because if you noticed, everything was all to do with fear, whether it was standing in front of the fridge or whatever it was. It was all to do with, um, all to do with fear uh, until you get to the end, of course, and then you realise how many of our fears are, are irrational. How many of you are afraid of estate agents? It depends if you're selling your house. What I also find interesting in that clip is that uh, when she has all these issues, but one of the kids suggests she moves, she says, no, 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 I couldn't possibly do that. And one of the problems is that when we encounter issues in our life that are the root cause and source of the fears and anxieties, uh, we choose not to move in our mind and in our heart and in our thinking because we'd rather stay where it's familiar, even though that familiar place carries with it all those fears. Now, tonight we're not talking about the natural protective fear that kicks in when you think you may be being followed down a dark alley at night, okay? That's a natural protective fear. What we're really talking about is the often paralyzing fear that grips the heart and mind about situations and things that are probably not what we have convinced ourselves that they are. See, the fear itself for all of us is not necessarily the problem. It's the extent to which we become gripped by that fear that is the problem. So I, I said many years ago, and we picked up on this, three things. Fear, fear is not a material substance. See, you, you, can't, you can't bring me some fear to the front today. If I said, somebody bring me some fear so we can show it and talk about it, no one could actually bring me any fear, not even by the truckload, the bucket load or the handful, because fear is not a material substance. And if you could deal with fears that way, we could bring them all to the front, have a big bonfire, and then all our fears would be gone forever. But you see, that's the problem. You can't do that with fear. See, fear is actually a force or a power that becomes activated by what you believe. So it only really exists and has the power it has because of what you believe. Not because it is a thing, because it's not a thing, but it becomes a thing by what we believe. It's interesting that the Greek word that is translated fear is the Greek word phobio. Right? Phobio. From which, of course, we get our English word phobia. So actually fear is not a, uh, fear is a phobic response to a situation that we develop because we have misread the situation. And so we actually become phobic. Fear is a phobia and we want to try and help you to get free from that phobia tonight. See, fear at its, course, uh, at it, at its source and its core is not a faith deficiency. Because some people can feel, particularly if you've been raised around church, that if I'm afraid, it's because there is a deficiency in my faith. But actually, the Bible doesn't teach that, and Jesus didn't teach that. Actually, fear is not a faith deficiency. Fear is a love deficiency. See, here's what, here's what dear old John wrote in, in 1 John 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love. Right? But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment and the one who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, 
Now, just in case you read that a certain way, that's not about you have to love so much that your fears disappear. It's that you have to realize that you are loved so much that your fears can disappear. Because here's the deal. If perfect love casts out fear, then perfect fear casts out love. Let me repeat that because it's worth repeating. If perfect love casts out fear then perfect fear casts out love. So we get stuck in a place because the problem is when we are in fear, I haven't ever seen anybody who's trying to develop their love position when they're in fear. I only ever see people who are trying to develop their fear. So the trouble is we perfect our fears, but we don't perfect the extent to which we are loved beyond our fears, and we are very, very guilty of that. So if love is the soil from which hope grows... Because remember, Paul said that it's faith, hope, and love are the only three things that really matter. And it's the other way around. The greatest is love. So we have hope when we know that we're loved. Without knowing that we're loved, that's why we have a hopeless existence. So if, if hope, if, if love is the soil from which hope grows, I don't want you to be afraid and I don't want you to be hopeless. But I want you tonight, by the time we've finished, to be full of hope because you've realized there's a love that's greater than your fears. Okay, so I don't know what you thought about that last clip. I, I find it so funny, especially because it's just a repeat. And it says, okay, this is what fear does to the body. And then it says, and this is what anxiety does to the body. And you get a repeat. And you think, no, that can't be true. But yes, it is. And uh, that's why we're wanting to make sure that we, we cover this tonight. Because um, we hear the word anxiety an awful lot. It's a huge issue with all of us. And um, we wanted to make sure that we understood the, that whether we think that they're slightly different or not, and they are a bit because one is dealing with real issues, real threats. The other is uh, unknown stuff that we don't know what the future is going to be, but they have the equal effect on our beings and it's very, very uh, debilitating and, and paralysing. Now, Anne said some things already, so I won't repeat them again. But what we want to make sure you understand is when Jesus said, fear not... He wasn't saying that there aren't some things that you should be afraid of. In fact, when he said it, they were in a storm. And so it was a very real threat. But he still said to not be afraid. But you know what we've already said about dealing with these things that are very much irrational fears that keep us paralysed. Now, uh, in connection with last week, um, Anne's already mentioned it, but... Fear is because, of, or anxiety is because of a love deficiency. And fear casts out love... And a love deficiency means that hope cannot be born and then we all become quite hopeless in the way that we live out our lives. Now, hope is usually the subject of the church. It's usually the subject of spiritual uh, issues. But what's really interesting is that it's become a subject that is uh, very widely spoken about in the psychological world. Um, because they've realised that how important it is. But they don't use the word hope so much. They use the word optimism. And now there are books uh, upon books of how you can learn to be optimistic in your life. So it's not just the church. It's all out there. People are saying, if you are hopeless and live your life without hope, it's really pretty, pretty awful. So um, what they found is, and I've just lost my page. I'm not good at this at all. 
they found that uh, whether we have hope or not depends on how each of us explain why things happen to us. We find the cause of our present situation, the good and the bad, and this is the stuff of hopelessness. It's our belief that our misfortunes are, and just get this, permanent, pervasive, and they're personal. Now, permanent, now don't get me wrong, there are some things that are permanent in our lives, and we can't get away from that. When we lose a loved one, or when there's an accident and something really horrible happens, it's permanent. However, if that spills, that permanence of that one event, into every area of our lives, then we might as well all be gone, because the one person gone represents everybody gone, and therefore we have no one in our lives, and what's the point of that? So you see what I'm, 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 I'm saying? So the permanence is about time, it's how long things are going to last. And our language that we often use is things like always and never. And then there's the next word, pervasive. It's about space. It's about how far the problem reaches into our lives. And we use words like everything and nothing. Are you with me? And then personal. Oh, it's just me. I can't do anything. And it's all my fault. They're the three Ps that actually make up what even psychologists say is uh, hopelessness. This is called catastrophizing. And everything bleeds into everything. And our explanatory style becomes the practice of despair. Now, this then leads to depression or a depressed state because disordered conscious thought. In other words, we let our thoughts run riot. Now, who's heard that before? Our thoughts run riot. And that's what you just saw in that little clip before. When in reality, our thoughts are not really telling us the, and I'm going to use this word, the whole truth. Now, they may, might be telling you a little bit of truth, but are they telling you the whole truth? And that's what's important here. So, the uh, psychologists then use things like mindfulness. Who's heard of mindfulness? But yeah, come on. They teach you how to put things into perspective, to use your mind to recall better thoughts, and cognitive behaviour therapy is all about putting actions and thoughts together. So the church is not on its own in wanting to bring hope into your life, right? The Bible has always told us about how we could get hope, and it was by renewing our mind. So you might like the word mindfulness better, I don't care. Have whatever word you want. It's the same thing. But what we need to do is work on changing our mind and renewing our mind and seeing things in a different way. Romans 12 verse 2 says this. It says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I used to think that the, the, the world that was conforming me was all about the bad stuff that you did you know oh it was all about what you did when I've realized no that there's a way that the world thinks and it's catastrophizing it's hopeless in its in its approach to things and that's the mind that we shouldn't have um the bible also tells us we have not been given a spirit of fear 
but of love and power and a sound mind. You can train your brain, you can change your mind, but you have to put in the work. Now, let me just quickly give you the opposite of permanent, pervasive, and personal. It's words like this, temporary. You would use words like sometimes and lately and maybe. Are you with me? The other word is specific rather than pervasive. You may have a concern in a particular area, but you can say, but I'm working on it. This will pass. Do you get it? Different language altogether, isn't it? And then, of course, instead of it, all my fault. Now, we're not going to play a blame game here, and we're not looking for somebody to blame. But let's face it, there isn't ever just me in a situation. There are many dynamics, many different things going on. And, and what we fail to do most of the time is take our own responsibility. And I've said this many times from this platform, that some of you think you're virtuous in taking the blame of the entire world. No, it's silly. Be responsible for what you're responsible for. But if it's somebody else involved as well, let them take their rap as well. And what that does is keep things balanced keeps an equilibrium because no one being is ever to blame so did you hear the three things then temporary specific and things are often external to me and the language of most of this is is it won't last sorry i've jumped i've i've moved on so uh, going back it's interesting that what we've uh, found in this research is that difficult situation is seen as permanent pervasive and personal But listen to this, that's the bad stuff. But when the good stuff happens, do you know what you do? You don't do permanent, pervasive and personal. You always do the opposite. So, oh, it's only temporary. Oh, it's not going to last. You know, oh, it was just luck. Can you see what we do? The bad stuff lasts forever and the good stuff is dismissed. And that's why we get so despairing in life. So uh, let me just quickly finish this. I want to ask you a question. Why doesn't joy pervade, be permanent and be because of me? Think about that for a minute. And if you were to get up every morning and say, do you know what? I'm going to have joy in my heart today and it's going to pervade my world. It's going to be permanent in me regardless of the situation. All because I have something to give. Now, Philippians 4.8 says this, and it's a great, wonderful scripture that my mother used to say over me all the time, and I haven't forgotten it yet. Whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, and of good report, meditate on these things. Now, meditation was always a no-no. Oh, that's to do with the world out there. Do you know what the word meditate means? It means become familiar with. Isn't that releasing? Become familiar with. With what? What is true? What is noble? What is just? What is pure? What is lovely? Become familiar with those things. And I believe that joy will pervade uh, your, your world, your circle of, 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 of situations that you find yourself in. So, fear and anxiety. It can be a habit that you can eliminate with two simple resolves. 
I can and I will will explain situations in a different way because there is no fear in love. And that love has been shed abroad in our hearts. That love dwells deeply within us and is only waiting to be recognised. Leave that uh, on screen, Robert, if you would, please. Thank you. Okay, so... Do you catastrophize? Does that point some people out or not? Do you know I'd point to first? Yep, yours truly. I am a person who tends to catastrophize, and I find those three P's extremely helpful about permanent and uh, pervasive and personal. There are three things to, to remember about fear. The, these are the three things. Number one, fear is a force or power activated by that which you believe. Here's the second thing. It's carried on the conveyor belt of your confession. So it starts as a, fierce, as a force or power activated by what you believe and then it's carried on the conveyor belt of your confession, what you say. The third thing is it's walked out by your responses to the challenges of life. So you respond in line with the confession that you have made from the force that has been activated by the thing which you believed. And so we find ourselves stuck in that very place that we don't want to be. But I want to finish up with another factor here. Have you ever noticed the effect that presence has on fear? When, when a kid's frightened in bed, what's the first thing they say to you as a parent? Will you stay with me? P please don't go un until I'm asleep. When people are in death, distress and anxiety, how many times do they say, will you please just hold my hand? Or I feel that I just need a hug. You see, presence has a massive effect on fear. But if you're not conscious, conscious about the power of presence, then Often you don't lock into the very thing that is the root power to bring you the pathway to the deliverance from your fears. It's something about presence that has power to bring rest to our fears. So why would you be surprised that first of all Jesus would say so many times, fear not, when he was with people? And why would we be surprised that the Bible would on so many occasions, for example, in Isaiah 41 and verse 10 say, Fear not, for I am with you. In other words, if you grasp the presence, you lose the fear. I need for some of you tonight to grasp the presence of the love that you are shrouded in because as you grasp the presence of that love, it will begin to alleviate the fear. Fear not, for I am with you. It goes on to say, don't be dismayed, 
for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand, but it's all connected to presence. If we don't open ourselves to presence, we don't feel the power of presence that frees us from fear. How many of you know someone can be showing you the greatest kindness, but you not open yourself up to their presence? That you can be so bound in your fears and anxieties that even though there is a presence, you will not let the presence be felt because you are so locked into the fear and anxiety and cannot comprehend that you are loved enough for that presence to make a difference. There has to be a movement. There has to be a change of mind. There has to be a renewing of mind that understands the root of the problem but then opens one up to presence. That's what mindfulness is, being open to presence. It's what renewal of mind is, being open to presence. Psalm 46 and verse 1, David writes there, the Lord is our ever-present help in times of trouble. Just because you don't feel it doesn't change it. And that's my issue about truth. Truth doesn't change because you don't believe it or feel it. Truth exists whether you believe it or feel it or not. The thing about truth is you have to lose yourself into that truth to know that the Lord is our ever-present help, ever-present, never going anywhere. Jesus said, I will never leave you I will never forsake you, even to the end of the age. He said, I will be with you always. We have a promise. The truth is, presence is promised. Presence is promised for you. Presence is promised for me. It's not something you have to seek to engage so that it will begin to happen. It's something that already is around you, over you, within you, about you, fills the whole earth, fills the whole universe. It's the presence of the Creator. It's the presence of the Almighty. It's the presence of God. It's the presence of Abba. The issue is our awareness to the presence and our willingness to let that presence have an impact on our lives. You see, At 62 years of age, I I have been many things. But one thing I have never been is alone. Sometimes I have thought I was alone, but I wasn't. Quick little story. The time allows me to do it just right now. The first time I ever felt lost was in one of the very first supermarket stores called Isherwoods. How many of you remember Isherwoods? You're very old and you come from South Yorkshire if you do. They were bought out by, not as the, what was the one before, Morrison's Safeway. They were bought out by Safeway. And I remember being in the shop in South Helmsall in South Yorkshire. And I suddenly looked around and I could not see my parents. And in that moment, probably at five or six years old, I completely lost it. Because I thought that I was alone. But as my cries went up, I realised that my parents were actually just around the corner on the other side of the counter where they were being served. You see, it's just that they were not immediately visible to me, but just because they were not immediately visible did not mean that they were not present and I was alone. But I know what it feels like in that moment when you suddenly feel, I am alone. But if you'll just look a little further, if you'll just open your heart and make it a little more sensitive, you'll realise 
realise that God is not far away. He's our ever-present help in time of trouble. My parents had not left me. I just couldn't see them at that moment. And I've learned a lesson from that, that sometimes I just can't see where God is but I know that I am not alone because he is ever-present. You see, presence is an antidote to fear. Fear not, for I am with you. There may have been many things, but never been alone. And I'm going to say something, and neither have you, ever. So Chris talked about those three things I wrote here. It's not permanent, it's passing. It's not pervasive, it's contained or best eliminated. It's not personal, it's purposeful. It's replaced with peace and presence and purpose. When we have that funny thing I talked about last week, a metanoia. Yeah. A metanoia is translated repentance, but I always thought repentance was sobbing and wailing and on your knees and I'm really sorry because I've done something wrong. Repentance was all about declaring how bad I was rather than turning to face somebody whose goodness and presence was so amazing that was always there, that never left me and actually belonged to me in all of those moments when I was down on myself. A metanoia is a changing of mind and we've talked about that tonight. There needs to be a change of mind. What does the change of mind do? It realises that fear is not a material substance. It's about what we believe. But then when I understand that that is a defect... The defect is love and not faith. And then I realise that there is a presence that have never left me. And I open myself up to that presence. Then in that presence, there comes the peace to know that all my fear is lost in someone bigger than me. See, we've all relied on a parent, a grandparent, a loved one, an adopted parent, an uncle, an aunt, whatever it is with you, a brother, a sister... Because we know the power of relying on someone who's bigger than us, who's able to protect us, who's able to be with us. It doesn't mean things go away, but it means that someone is with you in the middle of it that means that the fears can dissipate and you can come to peace in your heart and walk through that journey to a new day. I want you to be that person tonight because there is a presence that is with you and it's with you right now and has never left you and has never forsaken you. I call him God, I call him Father, I call him Jesus. I call him all kinds of things like that. Some of you call him Lord, some of you call him divine, some of you call, but he is there and he longs for you just to change your mind and heart from what you are believing that's making you fear to begin to believe he is with me always. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He is my ever-present help in time of trouble. You see, when you start to believe that, instead of the other thing, guess what happens? You start to carry that on the conveyor belt of your confession. And then you begin to manifest it in the practice of your life. And lo and behold, instead of walking under that cloud of fear, you find yourself walking in the purpose of hope. And I want you to find that tonight. Can I say a prayer for you? Are you someone tonight that really needs to be in that place to say, Lord, I really want to experience your presence. I, I really want to recognise that you are with me. If, if, if presence is promised and it's promised to all, then it's promised to me. And I, I want to feel your presence right now. I want to know that you're with me. 
And if you'll open your heart, if you'll just look, just like me in that store those years ago, you realise that he's not left you, he's not gone. He's actually there and he hears you cry and is with you. I want a house of people who are free from fear. Because when we're free from fear, we're perfect in love. And when we're perfect in love, we have hope coming out of our ear holes. And when we have hope coming out of our ears, we have faith that takes the place of that. And then we begin to change things in our own world as well as the world around. I want that for you. Father, I speak a blessing over every heart, every life tonight. I pray for every person who has really struggled with fear in a way that it is catastrophic. And all of those catastrophic feelings and experiences. I pray for everyone in here, Father, who right now is struggling with depression, everyone who's struggling with, with, with medical conditions that are all attached to anxiety, that you will bring, that in their lives they'll experience this miracle of, of presence, this miracle of the promise of presence that begins to turn everything around. I believe it, Father. I thank you for what has happened in my life. I thank you that I'm never alone. I want everyone else in here to know and feel that they're never alone because you are with us. You said right to the end of the age, all the time, every moment, every second, with us, our very present help, so that you can bring us to a place where faith begins to make substance of everything we hope for that had died in the midst of our fears. I release that and pray, Lord, that, that, that in this house tonight, not one person will go from here without having that lift in the spirit. God is with me. God is with me. He's not against me. The world might feel as though it's against me. God is with me. I pray that will drop in every heart tonight, Father. In Jesus' name, that we come to a new place of peace and hope and life. In Jesus' name, amen.